Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. Good morning. morning. I'm glad to be home. It was a great vacation. It was short. How many uh, know that I promised last year that I was going to fast this vacation and make it Take longer. (laughs) I didn't do that. (laughs) So it went by quickly. (laughs) You've got your Bibles open to Psalm 91. Kind of stuck in Psalm 91 right this second. When I say stuck, it just means that I keep coming back to it. I don't not read anything else. I I just keep coming back to it. I guess when you travel, when I travel, you know, I'm asking the Lord as I travel all different kinds of things, you know, just having conversation with God. Are you, are you ever just awed by the fact of how many people live on this planet besides myself? I mean, some of you are city folk, but I live out in the country and, and there are a lot of people on the planet. We went to Destin, Florida one day. Anybody know where Destin is? Right there, on, it's the Golden Isles. I mean, it's right there. Not the Golden, yeah. Is it the Go- Emerald Isles? That's it. And it's right there uh, near uh, Port St. Joe and Pensacola and Panama City, all that area right there. It's absolutely gorgeous. Liz and I went there on our honeymoon, and so it has great sentimental value. We were trying to figure out, we're so old and it was so long ago, we were trying to figure out where we stayed, you know. I think we got it right. But when we went there, it was a small fishing village. This weekend, there were hundreds of thousands of people in Destin, Florida. It was absolutely humongous. I couldn't believe how much it had grown, and there were so many people. And let me just tell you where I'm going with this. When I, when I see that many people in the same area that I don't know anybody, my immediate thought goes to God loves each one and has a plan for everyone. He is not distant from any of them. He is wooing them, and he wants them to know him in an intimate way. And it, and it blows my mind that God, before the foundation of the world, knew each one. Knew each one. And, and I just go, wow. Wow. That's big. That's really big. No matter where you go, God has a plan for every person. And he's got a love, unique love. For every individual. It's huge. So you can't go to Destin, Florida, and you can't go to Mexico Beach without going fishing. And so you go deep sea fishing, and then you get out in the middle of the ocean, and you can't see land. Being a former sailor, I'm kind of used to that. But it never, it never grows old viewing the broad hugeness of for lack of a better word, of the ocean. Do you know that the ocean is the filtering system for the whole whole world? Everything that goes into the ocean gets eaten up and spit out. It is 
a beast, the ocean is. God's creation, God's voice speaking over earth and saying, here is going to be, they're going to need a filtering system because the Navy's going to dump tons and tons of garbage into the ocean. And something is going to have to eat it up. And all of humanity and paper mills and everything else. And so something is going to have to cleanse it. And so then it goes into the ocean, it gets cleansed, and then it goes back up into the clouds, and then it comes back down to the earth fresh. All in this cyclical design by God. And you go, wow, that's a pretty big God. And then I got the thinking, <clears throat> we were standing here, staying near the naval base, and there were all these naval airplanes flying over. Anybody amazed that an airplane can fly? Amen. I'm pretty amazed that an airplane can even stay in the air. To me, that's like crazy. When, I, when we flew to California just a couple weeks ago, I was like, man, all right, Lord. If it's my time, it's my time. You know, flying won't kill you. It's the sudden stops. That's, that's what kills you. <laughs> and you're going, wow, man, this is... This, this wasn't invented by man. This was discovered by man. Because God created all the physics for airplanes to stay elevated above the earth, 30,000 feet. All before the foundation of the world. Wow. He's a big God. He's a big God. So we start talking about airplanes, and Doug was reminded. Doug's my buddy. We, went, we usually go on vacation together some way or another at some particular point. He's single, and so he doesn't have much family, and so he, he's part of our family, and so we just adopt him. And he went, and he had air, he's had pilots training so he can fly an airplane. And so he, he was discussing how that took place, and he says, you know, what we do is, is you test flying, you have, your, you have your pilot, and he tells you how to do everything. You go through all these classes and these simulations, and then there's the day that you actually fly. And so he gets in the plane, and he, he gets in the cockpit, and the, and, and the, the instructor's with him, and they, and they fly, and they learn how to maneuver the plane, you know, turn left and turn right and go up and go down. And all that, he says, is really easy. He said the hard part really is just landing it. And so what they would do is they would, they would come down and they would land the plane and they would run down the runway and they'd keep up their speed and then they'd just take right back off. And then they'd do a circle loop and then they'd come back down, they'd touch down and they'd land the plane and then they'd just keep going and then they'd take right back off. And they just practice that over and over and over and over and over again. Until the, until the guy who owned the plane, one time he, he came down, he says, just pull right over there. And Doug said he pulled right over there, had no, no idea what he was up to. And, and he says, he, he jumps out of the plane and says, go for it. And Doug says, go for what? <laughs> Take off. And so then you're solo. And then you're, you're going up. You have dominion over the aircraft. Right? You tracking with me? So you got to go up, and if you start messing up, there's nobody there to tell you you're messing up. You have to land the aircraft without aid. All on your own. Dominion. 
That's what Jesus did to you and me. He gave us dominion over this creation. He, he kind of stepped out of it for a little bit and says, you take it. But where we really mess up and where the bumper sticker is wrong, when it says God is my co-pilot, <laughs> where they really miss it, he's not really the co-pilot. He's given you dominion. He is the airplane. He is the air. He is the ground. He is the wind. He is everything that holds everything together. And he gives you intuition. He gives you direction on how to fly the plane. We, we act like he's limited to this. He's not. He is all of it. He's not limited to a co-pilot's position. He is all of creation. He's in all of creation. He holds it all together. We watch sunset after sunset. We would make a point to go to the beach just to watch the sunset over the ocean. And you know, that's a fire. Anybody ever had a fire? It has fuel, right? When the fuel runs out, what happens to the fire? What happens to the fire when the fuel runs out? It goes out. You ever thought about that? The sun is on. What happens when the fuel runs out? So, so we already, we've decided it's temporary, right? So when's the sun going to go out? When God says so. That's exactly right. That's pretty big, isn't it? You getting my point on this big God? He is absolutely amazingly big. And the reason I'm saying all this and we're going through all this is because I want you to understand what David understood about God. There is a personal, intimate relationship that God wants with every created being. All of animal creation sings praises to the Lord, and they know that God exists. And he is looking for a personal relationship with you. Say that with me, a personal relationship with you. Now, here's the issue. When we start talking about a personal relationship with God, this is what comes to mind of the church world in America. Okay? This is what comes to mind. Well, I got to go to church. And then I'm going to walk the aisle. They've got a big one in the middle. And then I'm going to go up front and I'm going to pray with somebody. And I'm going to say, I want a personal relationship with God. And I understand I have a need for a Savior. Pray. Mean it. Walk back to our seats, go back home, and go through life alone. Doing the same thing we did for the most part, maybe a little differences. Maybe we read the Bible occasionally. Maybe we go to Barnes and Noble and we buy us a devotional and we read three minutes a day. And we 
think that's what God means by a personal relationship. And I don't think it is. I don't think it is even close. And so Psalm 91 gets into what it really means and you can you can see it 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 it, it it's, we're not going to be able to get into it depth wise the way I want to today but I hope challenge wise I can challenge us to understand the bigness of God and then his desire to be personal David does a lot of things in this passage of scripture he covers a lot of ground. He gives you a lot of information if you're said. It's kind of in the background, but he gives it to you as he writes. He says this, verse 1, He, the person, me, I, who dwell in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. David makes a proclamation. He says that those who dwell, dwell is a place that you live, right? You're dwelling. He who makes his dwelling in the secret place of God abides in the shadow of the Almighty. It's a place that you live. It is your, it's your home. It's your comfort place. It's your place of restoration. It's your place of relaxation. It's your getaway place. It's your place where all, all, the, all the hustle and bustle go away, and you can actually unwind. Hopefully your home's like that. Some, some are not. I, I do realize that, but that's the way my home is. And David says about God, those who make their home like that with God and, and abide in the shadow, the shadow, how do you stand in someone's shadow? I really want you to see what David's talking about. How do you stand in somebody's shadow? Can you stand in somebody's shadow unless the sun is long, unless it's setting or just rising, you know, your shadows get long. But if you've got a noon sun, how do you stand in the shadow of someone? You gotta be close. You got to be real close. So he's saying two things. Those who make their dwelling place the most high God, who are close to him, who stand in the shadow and abide in him, there is a lot of things that happen. It says, if you dwell there, if you get into the secret place, if you abide in the shadow, then God is going to provide and automatically bring tons and tons of benefits to your life. There are great benefits to abiding and dwelling and being close in the shadow of God. And he then says about himself, he said, I'll say to the Lord, you are my refuge, you're my fortress, you're my protection, you're my God in you, I'll trust. I'll say that together. I'm going to say to the Lord, say it. I'm going to say to the Lord, you are my refuge, you are my fortress, my God, and in you will I trust. And so there's this statement, there's this proclamation. What you'll see David do time and time again is he speaks himself into a place. 
He says, he tells his soul so many times, his emotions, line up, get in line, get acting right, get your priorities right, soul, make this thing happen, get on the right track. He does that, and he's doing this with the Lord because he says, Anybody, including himself, who abides in the secret place of the Most High, who are close in his shadow, there's all kind of benefits. So for me, I'm going to say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, you're my protection. God, you're my all in all. You're my everything. You're my almighty. And I'm going to place my trust in you. And if I do that, he shall deliver you. Now he's talking about now he's talking about you again. See, he went from being general and talking about all of us, and then he got to himself. It's kind of like this. He says, this is the nature and the character of God. If you abide in him, he's going to be with you. This is what I made the decision to do. I'm going to tell you, I don't know, what, I don't know about you, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to say I'm going to trust in you, Lord. Now, and then he goes back to general. He goes back to all of us. Then he says, surely whoever does that, God will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. It's just a picture of a covering of a loving, mothering kind of posture or position. There's a refuge under that. The promise is that God is going to cover you. He's going to protect you from pestilence. Now, every time pestilence is written in, Bi in the Bible, you've got to understand that it is usually referred to as judgment because of sin. Pestilence is usually looked at as judgments of, because of sin. In other words, if your thinking or your ways are contrary to the ways of God, then, then pestilence is going to come. In other words, judgment's going to come. You're going to have to reap what you sow. Anybody ever reap what they sown when it was outside the ways of God? We see it all the time. And he's saying that if you'll abide in the if you'll make the dwelling place the presence of God, if you'll abide closely with him in the shadow, then what God's going to do, he's going to protect you from the judgment that comes when you don't walk in obedience. He's going to put his loving arms around you, and he's going to cover you. And there you'll be able to take refuge. You'll be safe. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. All of these are referring to either evil forces or alignment with evil forces that causes judgment. That's basically what that says. That's this poetic writing that is referring to that. And then in verse 7, it says, A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come to you. What shall not come near to you? Judgment. 
pestilence, evil. We just sang, we just sang that God, you've been faithful all my life. You've been faithful always. When I, when I was going through hard times, when stuff was coming at me, when the world was bringing stuff, when I, when I called on you, when I began to dwell with you, when I called on your name, I recognized the fact that you'd never left me ever in the first place. You, you were always with me. And so the pestilence, the judgment, or the evil thing that came at me didn't have the ability to touch me like it touches others. And he's saying here, you can watch it happen in the world. You can watch your friends who refuse to follow God fall. You can see the results of sin choices as they choose to do things contrary to the way God, you can see the judgment come upon them as they reap what they sow. And you can have a heart for that. They can fall to your left, they can fall to your right, but because you're dwelling in the secret place and because you're close to God, they're not gonna even touch you. They're not gonna come close to you. A thousand may fall. Ten thousand may fall at your right hand. But pestilence is not going to come close to you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. We live in some tough times, don't we? You can relax. Don't be stressed out like the rest of the world. There's incredible divisiveness. Don't engage. Do you hear me? The only engagement that you need to be making is seeking because you're close in the dwelling of the Most High God, the very covering and protection of God, not only in your life, but in the life of believers. And that in that, some would see the work of the kingdom and be saved. Only with your eyes you shall see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Why? Can this happen? What does a personal relationship with God look like? That's what I'm getting at. We've sold a bill of good in a seeker-sensitive environment that all you've got to do is these easy listening things, and this is what the Word of God said. You have to dwell in the secret place of the Most High God to get this kind of protection. Because you made your dwelling there, this is what you'll see. In other words, if you haven't made your dwelling there, this is not the result. You tracking with me? Now, let's think about the bigness of God. Let's think about the commission of God. And let's think about all the things, all the possibilities, whether the sun burns out, 
whether the Arizona uh, college institution that said that Yellowstone was about to erupt a lot faster than we thought it was. Y'all read that in the news lately? Just another thing to bring fear. <laughs> you don't have to be worried about all that because you're dwelling in the secret place of the Most High and I can promise you one thing, Yellowstone is not going to erupt until God says, erupt. And he knows already when that time's going to be. It's already been predestined. He's not going to be shocked. It's amazing how we get so upset about things. And there's been some terrible things happening in Florida and Houston and all this stuff, you know. But did y'all know that hurricanes are going to happen? And they're, and they're good for the environment. They actually keep our climate at the right place so that we can actually live on this planet. Did y'all know that? The problem is we want to build on the beach. <laughs> Isn't it? Oh, my gosh, can you believe there's a hurricane and we, we serve this God that doesn't care about people. He does care about people. He knows every hurricane that's ever going to exist. He knows where it's going to hit. He's got it designed so that it makes the atmosphere right. He's just saying, people, <laughs> quit building on the beach. There's going to be a hurricane. Now, that might not be the solution, but you see what I'm saying? We blame God for disasters when it's not God's fault. He designed the whole thing so that it would bring health. There's all kind of things in that. And he says, if you'll abide in me, there'll be, there'll be protection. Not from a hurricane when you're standing in Key West or wherever it might be that it hit. You better get out of there. But he'll give you even the sense to do that. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the wicked go, because you may the Lord your refuge. Even the most high God is your dwelling place. And because you've done that, no evil shall overcome you. Everybody say that with me. No evil shall overcome me. Nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you. Say it. To keep you in all your ways. In their hands, they shall bear you up. Lest you dash your foot upon a stone. You know, what's really interesting here is in Matthew chapter 10, Satan actually comes to Jesus with this passage of Scripture. And he says, he says, God says he's not going to, he's not going to let any harm come to you. If you'll, if you'll just, if you'll just use him, manipulate the circumstances in your own way of thinking, in your own way of doing, God says he's not going to even let, let you hit your foot on the stone. And Jesus said, don't test the Lord. We ain't doing that. Because he was twisting scripture. Did Jesus suffer? 
He suffered on the cross, didn't he? This was after he got tempted, right? But was he defeated? Did, was he overcome? Instead, he over... What is it in your life that looks like is overcoming you that you need to understand that dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God is your refuge place, is your place of deliverance so that nothing will befall you. Nothing will overtake you. You will overtake it. There's a place, and it's the dwelling place of God. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you and keep your ways. You won't dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Jesus, again, refers to this in the New Testament when he was talking to the disciples about overcoming evil spirits. Each one of these things is talking about something that tries to get on top of you, has authority over you, and God is saying, you dwell with me, you be in my presence, and nothing has the ability to snatch you from his hand. It has no ability, has no ability to keep you from a place that you're going to receive everything that God promised through David in Psalm 91. Now this is one thing I see that David does that I really love. He then begins to prophesy. So in verse 1 he says, this is, this is available to everyone who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God, who rests or comes into the shadow of the Almighty. Now just for a second, the Almighty uh, there is is an, a God that can that is supreme. He actually uses three different names for God in this one verse because he knows the character and the nature of God. So, an all powerful God, a God that brings for provision, and then he calls him Elohim, which is actually gives him somewhat of a fatherly role. That is that it is this fathering going on in all the process. But then he begins to prophesy, and he says this. In today's church, sometimes you might hear it as, I believe the Lord say it, or thus saith the Lord. David moves into that, and he prophesies. He says this, because he has set his love upon me, he's saying God's saying this. He got, he's saying God's saying this right here. Because you and I, set our love upon God, God says, I will deliver you. I will set you on high because you know who I am. You know my name. You know my character. You know my nature. You've made my home 
your dwelling place. You have come into the secret place and you have pulled close to me and my shadow has, is going to overtake you. Why? Because you have loved me. And because of that, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to set you on high because you know my name, because you know my character. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. Now say this with me. You get it, really got to get it. You shall call upon God and he will answer you. If you're not getting answers from God, it might be that your dwelling place is not his dwelling place, that you're not living in the shadow of the Almighty. Because what he says here is, if you dwell there, if you have a love for him, if you know him, if you know his name, his character, if you know all about him, then you're going to hear from him. It says, I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and honor you. God wants to honor you. I'll honor you with long life, and I'll satisfy you as you go, and I'll show you my salvation, which is healing, deliverance, rescue, everything that comes with salvation. He says, that's when it's made available to you and me. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Have you ever been infatuated? Maybe not. Have you ever seen anybody that's been infatuated with a girl? You ever seen a dude that maybe is his first girlfriend, and he just, I mean, she walks up. I, I think it's Caleb. I think you're, you're a little Caleb. When Bethany comes close, he can't even look at her. That's Ethan. I mean, he's like, oh, my gosh. That's a pretty girl right there. Oh, He's, well, he, he's like six years old, I don't know, eight years old. I mean, he can't hardly take himself. He's, he's, he's infatuated. <laughs> Michael says he's got good taste. <laughs> but we've been infatuated probably. I was infatuated with my wife. She was, a, she was beautiful. She still is. <laughs> Just want to let you know I still think that, baby. <laughs> but she was a little younger then, but she was she's gorgeous. Fatuate, just loved her, loved looking at her, still do. Just stare at her, ask her. She said, what you looking at? You. You ever been like that? My dog's like that toward me. <laughs> but you know what I mean. God says, God says, look. He, it's, it's David, David's like, this is my God. He's Elohim. He's almighty. He's El Shaddai. He's Yahweh. He's all these things to me. This is my God. I want to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I want to be in his shadow. I'm in his shadow, and I know him, and he knows me. And he says about me, you're infatuated with me. You love me. You're doing whatever it takes to draw near me. And because you love me, and because you dwell with me, then I'll protect you. I give you salvation. All these things will be yours. My question is, really, I question myself sometimes. Am I infatuated with God? I mean, if, if I could choose to be with anybody and rub elbows with anybody, 
famous? Maybe you're idle. Do you value maybe that opportunity more than you would value getting to know your God? I mean, I mean, in real life, I'm not talking about in church, I'm talking about in real life. Do we have this desire to love our God? And to live in his presence. And it's personal. And he desires a personal relationship with us that looks like that so that he can be to us what he promises. Because you dwell and because you love me, I'm gonna set my angels guard over you. When stuff starts coming at you, then I'm gonna protect you. I'm gonna shield you. You can relax because El Shaddai is your refuge. My goodness. God wants to do so much in us and through us. He's just looking for a heart that loves him and wants to dwell in a secret place. Any volunteers? I volunteer. I'm just challenged today with all the distractions, with all the division, with all the media, with all the garbage. Am I showing my Lord that I love him because I want to hang with him more than I want to do other things. I just want to hang out, God. I just want to be with you. I want to know you like David knew you, God. Somebody was telling me this morning, as soon as Dr. Joe was saying, as soon as I think I got God figured out, he says, come over here. Come over here. Let me show you something else. You think you got that figured out? Let me show you this angle. And you go, oh, wow. That's better. That's even better. You challenged yet? The message of the Lord is his desire for you is for you to be in the secret place. We sang a song, four of them, but the one I'm talking about, you messed me up. The one I'm talking about is the one that says anything that doesn't look like kingdom has to leave. How many of you find that hard to sing? Come on now, you're lying if you're not. It's hard to sing. Anything about me that doesn't look like you, God. It has to go. It has to go. How does that happen? Most Christians don't even know that they don't look much like God because they're not dwelling in the secret place. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, 
that we feel your heart that is penned through the words of David. That we would love you. That we would be infatuated with you. That we would get addicted to your presence. That we would make our dwelling your dwelling place. That we would abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So that no authority, no hellish force, no worldly force could overtake me. Because I'm grounded and protected and have taken refuge in the house of God, in the shadow, in the presence of the Lord of hosts. Teach us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, fellas, we're about to go on a men's retreat. I hope you're signed up. If you aren't, bummer. <clears throat> but we're going to attack in two weeks. We're going to help you learn how to attack. But this is what I kind of want to get in. How many of you felt really comfortable asking your first girl out on a date? Fellas, anybody feel really comfortable about asking a girl out on a date? Maybe when you were 12 and you approached her or 14 or 15 and you approached her, you did it with such bold confidence. It was absolutely amazing. <laughs> Vulo says I did, yeah. The reason I say that is, is because, you know, I haven't given you any steps whatsoever about how to go to the secret place. You're going to have to come back on Wednesday for that. But you start. You have to move. You found a way, no matter how scared you were, no matter how stupid you were, no matter how much you were intimidated you found a way to ask the girl out. Correct? Check yes or no. <laughs> Check yes or no. <laughs> 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 
because you really liked her a lot or loved her or whatever you thought you did. Pursue God. Chase him. Yes, chase him. He won't run. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.